Welcome to Sky Team's People First with Morag Barrett. So my friend Anne McCasker is a career development consultant specializing in career decision making and career planning. For the past 15 years, Anne has been helping people find their place in the world of work by improving their critical thinking skills to create more satisfying and engaging career strategies. Her belief is that to become a better career decision maker, people need to understand themselves and the the world of work, especially in their own industry sector. Anne and I recently became firm fast friends as I stumbled on her LinkedIn article, Innovation, Imagination and Career Opportunities of the Future, where she explored the impact of the fourth industrial revolution on the how, what, where and who of work and therefore careers. So Anne, I'm so excited for our conversation. Welcome to People First. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I'm really happy to be here. And I'm so glad that we found each other with our common interest in the fourth industrial revolution and how it's going to impact the world of work. Yeah, sometimes I feel like the proverbial frog in the pan of boiling water, which I also realize is a mixed metaphor. But in terms of the fact that the speed of change and some of it is just happening, and I'm not even aware, but the ripple effects are going to be immense, I think, for all of us, especially those entering the workforce right now. Absolutely, absolutely. The thing that I think most people would find surprising, too, is that the fourth industrial revolution has really been uh, coming out of the computer age and the information age for the last 20 to 30 years. And most of us probably aren't aware that there has been that much change and that much of the fourth industrial revolution impacting our workplace already. Well, let's talk a little bit about change before we go deep okay. into your understanding and, and what you see as the impact on careers. Let's go back to the beginning where it all started. Okay. So you're a wee lass, you're sitting there in elementary school. The teacher said, draw me a picture of what you want to be when you grow up. So come on then, Anne, what did you think you were going to be when you grew up? Uh, <laughs> Yes. Uh, The question all of us career practitioners ask our clients. Well, when I was little, I actually wanted to be a pilot, which I never became, but my son became. Yeah. And I also wanted to be a vet because I loved animals. Then fast forward, I ended up actually doing business and accounting and working as a joint venture auditor in oil and gas which is, you know, totally different than what I do now. But what I really learned from that experience is that I wanted to work more with people. I went back to school after the kids, uh, they went and started school. I did a psychology degree and then I did my career development certificate. And my plan was to be uh, not a career counselor, but a career practitioner within the school system. And I was all set to do that. And then I came across William Bridges' book, Job Shift, Ooh, all okay. about the changes that were going to impact the workplace. Uh-huh. And I just remember as a career practitioner thinking, oh my goodness, we're not ready. Young people aren't ready, middle aged people aren't ready, plus 50 people are not ready. Like we're just not ready. That's and that just changed the whole career path. I went, you know what? Somebody needs to get out and help people with this huge change that's going to be impacting us and really helping people with the skills that they're going to need to be able to move forward in the new workplace. 
So William Bridges, one of the seminal thinkers in terms of change and transitions. And so it's all his fault then that you're in this yeah, career. Yes. I love that. <laughs> but why is it then that you think that we have remained somewhat oblivious and unprepared or ill-prepared for the changes that are happening are going to happen? I think probably the biggest reason is that if you're not specifically working in one of the industries that is being impacted at the moment, we're just not paying attention. And the reality is, is that, you know, we have a tendency to job search versus career plan. So we're not thinking about our industry. We really don't do a lot of career exploration when we're younger, because everybody just wants us to answer the question, what do you want to do when you grow up? Or what do you want to do when you finish high school? And so we're so busy trying to get the result that we don't actually do the work that we need to do to make a good career decision. So that's interesting. Because it's very most, stressful. It is stressful. One of the most frustrating questions I remember being asked right from the start of my career is where do you see yourself in five years time? And it seemed pointless because the answer that people wanted was a job title. But as we know, job titles exist now that didn't exist when I was starting my career in the late 80s, let alone the new jobs yeah. that are going to be created in the near future. And it's more about I know what skills I want to be doing. I know what sort of environment I want to be working in. But don't box me in with a job title that may become obsolete. Um, so yeah. earlier you used the different, you, you, you challenged us by saying, well, we do job search, we don't do career planning. So what's the difference? What's job search versus career planning? Well, the reality is, is that, uh, so I'll tell a story about my husband and he uh, has given me permission to tell this story because it's his, <laughs> it's his to share, not mine. So when he was uh, graduating from engineering, uh, a number of companies came to the university and then he applied to work at those companies and then he got a couple of job interviews and then he got a couple of offers and then he chose between those offers and then he went and worked on those. Hmm. And then he went and did that job, okay. which is, I mean, that's the typical story of a lot, a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So that's really job search, you know, kind of what's out there. We look at job postings, we apply for job postings, and then we do that. But we don't take the time to think about, well, is this really what we want to be doing? So while we're in university, what we could be doing is when we learn about something really interesting, we could say, oh, well, who are the companies that do that? Um, could I get a job in that? What are, what are the jobs in that particular area? You know, so if you're in electrical engineering and you're studying automation, well, who's doing automation work yeah. and what are they doing and what part would I want to be working on? So we don't actually take that time to sit down and analyze what we think we would prefer to do and not do. So then what happens is we just come out and take whatever job we can get. And then that tends to send us on this trajectory where it might be five, 10 years where we go, you know, like, this is not what I really wanted to be doing. I like engineering work, but now I'm doing this thing on pipelines way over here. And I don't like this. And then it's really hard, because then we're going, now, how do I get out of that? Because of course, human relations wants us to have relatable job experience when we go to apply for the next job. But what if we don't like what we've been doing for the last five to 10 years? How do we how do we make that pivot and change and get out of that into something else, especially, you know, if we've got mortgage and kids and, and we, the thought of going back to school is like, I can't do that. We don't have money for that. Mm -hmm. So 
that learning that piece of what do I prefer to do and what is it that I want to be doing after? So when I work with clients, we talk about, well, what kind of schooling do you want to be doing? But then if you get that schooling, what are you going to do after? So we do a lot of, well, this is the next step, but then what's the next, next step? And what is that going to look like? And what do you think you would prefer doing on the next, next step? So it's really getting people to project out and think about what am I going to be doing five to 10 years down the road? So you, you're so if I get from, my education. Yeah. So you're moving yeah. it from the reactive to your point job search. What's the offer I have on the table and thinking two or three moves down forward planning so that you can start to think about what's the ripple effect. And, Absolutely. and people options and choices. But mm-hmm. There's two sides to this equation because there's me as the, the job seeker um, and then there is the employer. And so what are some of the mistakes that you're seeing corporations still doing that's keeping them stuck in some of the old-fashioned 20th century mindsets about what a career and a job search should look like? I think, you know... Um, I think they could be a lot more instrumental in helping people with actual career development, but normally career development, and I actually, as part of my master's program, I did a career development and organizations course, and it was just, the mindset was just so different from how career practitioners see work with their um, clients. Uh, We really try and focus on what do you really want to do and where do you want to go? And that's not always in alignment with what the company Mm-hmm. wants us to be doing or they'll think you know you know and you're just perfect for management and you should be taking this job but maybe it's a really administrative job and maybe I could do it and maybe I would be good at it and maybe I'd even be better at it than you know 10 other people in the company but maybe I really hate doing that work mm-hmm. so that. I shouldn't be doing that work no, I see that a lot with the software and technology clients that we work with that you get promoted be it based on your technology skills to then be managing human beings and some of the leaders we work with excel and some learn to adjust but some are very clear no, I love my widgets. I love my gadgets. I love geeking out and building stuff. And it, but if the only way I can move through my career and at the, the moment, the old definition of success is more money, more status, bigger title is by managing humans. I'll do it reluctantly, but I'll not necessarily do it well. And I think that is an unfortunate place on both sides because nobody mm-hmm. wins in that environment. Yeah. Yeah. So, so one of the things that I think both corporations and individuals can do is I've also written an article on the different types of success and reflecting like, you know, during this COVID time, this is a great time to be thinking and reflecting on about what you want to do when all Mm -hmm. of this craziness is kind of over. And so I get people to think and about what does success mean to you? Because we often think that it's either more money or the title or, you know, the C-suite level executive. And the reality is, is like you said, with technical people, I work with a lot of engineers. And what I find is they think they want to be senior project managers because that's kind of the, you know, Mm -hmm. one of the gold stars that you work towards. But oftentimes what they find is, you know, what they really actually want to build their career in a technical area and be technical advisors. And not and not be project managers at all. Mm-hmm. 
So that piece, I think, is really important. Also, not everybody wants to be at the executive level. Maybe what they want to do is maybe they want to manage a department and really work on team building and build a good, solid team with good, solid performance. And so helping people understand that helps them figure out how to direct their career. Because if you're like someone like me, I'm not a C-suite level executive kind of person. Like that's just not who I am. So for me, success is more about building expertise and about helping people. So then knowing and understanding that I can now drive my career because I'm going to be focusing on building my expertise rather than trying to do Six Sigma or my MBA and try and get into the C-suite because I think that's where my success is going to be. So the better that we understand what success means to us, we can then start directing our careers a lot more. Yeah. And I find once people get that, uh, they can really start to envision where they want to go next. So because if they don't want, if they, sorry, if they don't want the C-suite, then they're kind of like, well, I don't know what I want to do in the next mm-hmm. five to 10 years. Yeah, which right? brings to the next question, which is that it, to be a, a good career decision maker, we need to be able to take those decisions and, and apply critical thinking skills in a, a much more laser-like way. So how do you help you, the people who come to you for advice and guidance to hone those critical thinking skills so that they can make an informed career decision? Right. Great question. Great question. So I base a lot of my work on Bloom's taxonomy, which actually comes from education. So and the bottom level is knowledge. And what we need to as good career decision makers, we need to know knowledge about ourselves, which has normally been the focus of career practitioners. So doing a lot of assessments and understanding your values and knowing you That's a big part of career practitioners and the work that we do with our clients. But I think it's just as important to also understand industry. So which sectors do you really want to be working in? So when I was working in accounting a long time ago, I wished somebody had said, well, have you thought about working in accounting in the construction industry? Or have you thought about working in accounting in the travel industry? Because mm-hmm. those are industry sectors that really interest me compared to, say, oil and gas. So I could have done just a, a lateral switch across with my career instead of changing my whole career and still been happy doing what I'm doing. So instead, I made a whole career change. But how? So understanding industry can be very helpful for a simple change like that. And also understanding your industry, because if you only want to do one job in an industry, I think it's important to look at that and say, is the fourth industrial revolution going to replace that job in five years? Mm -hmm. Because if you only want to do one job in an industry, then and then that job is gone, then you're working in an industry where you don't really want to work. And it's harder to make that transition out. The other piece is, too, is I think it's really important for people to understand that they are working for and promoting an industry. Mm -hmm. And industries last longer than jobs do. So it's one of the reasons why I actually get people to think about industry because I read, um, oh, the book that was put out um, all about LinkedIn and how how to grow your career using LinkedIn. And they talked about how the, the lifespan of the company has changed from 40 years down to 10 years. 
Mm -hmm. So if you are working in an industry in a, or like a job title in a company, you might only be there for 10 years. Well, then what are you going to do? But if you think about industries, you know, the steel industry used to be the number one industry like 100 years ago. It's not the number one industry anymore, but that industry is still around today. So if we understand industries that we want to work for, there's a greater chance that we have longevity in our career because then you can move throughout the industry fairly easily. Yeah. And then you have, you know, you get trained in that industry. Uh, HR looks at your resume and says, oh, well, you have industry experience, you know, so it, it's a win-win kind of for everybody. And that's why I encourage people to look at that. So then once you have that knowledge and also knowledge about career development, which is resume writing, networking, mm -hmm. um, job skills, all of that. So then when you understand the knowledge of those three, then you analyze it, evaluate it. And if you're really lucky, you can do some creative critical thinking where you can take an interest in this industry and this industry. So like maybe you like music and psychology and maybe you put it together and do a job in music therapy. I love that. So you get to do two loves, not just one love. I love Because we that. always think we need to, we always think we need to narrow it down to one. And it's like, oh, well, maybe there's two we could actually choose together. It's getting creative and strategic and not just looking at your own industry, but parallel uh, industries that may be ahead of you on that change curve that you can then anticipate the ripple effect that may play through in your own industry and therefore your own career. So I'm curious, Absolutely. people who are seeking you and your colleagues out for advice and guidance, are they early stage, mid stage, late stage career folks? Or Great question. Change? Great question. Actually, my practice is basically a third of high school and then um, young adult, sort of up to 30. I find a lot of uh, 28, 29 year olds come to see me because they're like, Oh my goodness. What am like, I doing? I am, they see that 30 year old birthday looming yeah. and they go, I don't have my life together and I got to get my life together. So they will come and see me. I get a lot of midlife career changers who've kind of gotten off of their path because they did the job search thing without really thinking about where they wanted to take their careers. And I see a lot of plus 50 and then intermingled in those age groups, I'll see um, a number of post-divorce. So I work with post-divorce as well, because that those are lots of a major life event will mm -hmm. cause career change. Absolutely. But what right. that does tell me is that there is hope for all of us because you went, you started earlier on and you're saying we get on this road and then we feel like we have to stay on it because of either peer pressure, family obligations, self-imposed doubt. I can't because they won't let me. But what you're saying here is it's never too late but the key is you've got to have no, a plan no. and then you've got to have the courage to execute against that plan. Yeah, absolutely. And I have four career questions that I ask Ooh. everybody when they come to see me and it really helps people identify where the area of dissatisfaction is. So the first question I ask people is, do you like the industry that you're in? Then I ask them, do you like the company that you work for? Then I ask them if they like the job that they do in the company that they're working in. <laughs> and lastly, I ask them if they like the people they're working with and then specifically your boss. Because I've had people come to me who were going to do a complete career change. And then when we went through this analysis, uh, they actually loved everything about their 
their job, they just had an incredibly toxic boss. And so in the end, they actually, the decision, the career decision they made was I'm going to figure out how I can cope working with this really toxic boss so I can continue doing the job that I love, uh, which is not a career change, but you know, that, that helps us. And also learning those questions, what they do is, is let's say you work with me and we take you from a job where you're about 60% happy with what you're doing. And we take you up to 75, 80, which is, that's kind of my goal is getting Mm -hmm. people to really make a big percentage shift in their career satisfaction. So let's say we get you up to like 80%, 85. And then, you know, a couple years down the road, you realize that mm, you don't want to get out of bed in the morning, and you don't want to go to work. And so then it's like, so how did you go from mm, having such high job satisfaction to now lower job satisfaction? Well, maybe some of your teammates have left and gone to other companies. So maybe that part around the people you like is now less. Maybe the company got a new CEO and they really Mm -hmm. changed the culture of the company. So before you did like the company and the people and everything, and now it's like, no, I don't like it. So what it does is it encourages us to learn how to continually ask ourselves those questions, do a check-in every three to six months and saying, am I still on track? Is there something I need to change? You know, what I love about those four questions is it's not about the what. It isn't about the knowledge. It's all about how does it make me feel? And that links with Cultivate, my first book. And you talk there about toxic bosses. It doesn't matter, toxic bosses, toxic colleagues. The quality of the relationship has a huge impact on our job satisfaction and our career success. I, in fact, recently wrote a LinkedIn article about my experience of toxic bosses and navigating those difficult relationships. And to your point, when people feel valued, when they feel connected, when they look forward to getting up to work for work in the morning, they're more likely to be satisfied and engaged in their current role and not need to go where the grass looks greener, but may end up having its own challenges. Yeah. I'm curious. It's it, We're in the middle of the pandemic. We're all, most of us, or many of us are now working from home. How has that impacted the job search, the career pathing, and the advice that you're giving to people right now? You know, I still work through the same process. I would say probably where it impacts the most is I just feel a little bit more stressed because there's a lot of people who are really struggling right now. And in Canada, a lot of the supports, um, they have decided, the federal government has decided to re-implement some of them, but there are people who are not going to meet all the criteria and will fall through the cracks. And so that's, that's really, that's really tough. So when there are no jobs, how do you still find work? And I think, at the end of the day, I still believe in Bridges work and the quote that he made. And I actually have his quote on my website, where he talks about we will have to learn how not to search for the job, but to search for the work that needs to be done. And so if you think about COVID, it's a perfect example of that. It was like, okay, we've shut down all this industry. But we need ventilators, we need masks, we need oxygen stuff, we need mm-hmm. equipment, we, we need vaccines, we need uh, new testing, we need... Contact tracers. 
Yeah. Right. We need to figure out how to do retail so that you do curbside pickup. All of a sudden, you know, if you understand how to look for work, which I think we knew how to do that better in my parents' generation, the tra- the, the tra- traditionals, right? Mm-hmm. They, you know, work was so hard to come by. And it was like, if they needed money, you just figured out how to find work. And we need to go back to that. We need to help everyone. So when I work with baby boomers, like the plus 50 group, I just have to remind them of what they did when they were adolescents, because they actually all know how to do the gig economy. They just, they just didn't know that they were doing the gig economy. You know, we didn't have all these fancy words. It was just, oh, I went and mowed lawns and babysat and (laughs) all that stuff. I'm having oh, building think- work on the roof and now is the point where they're going to start drilling. So, Anne, as we come towards the end of our time together, I'm curious, what advice do you have for people who are considering working with a career plan advisor like yourself? Mm-hmm. How do they find the right partner? I think part of what they would need to do is think about what it is that um, that they want to change. Are they looking at making a big change? And who are they? Are they the type of person where they need to do assessments and have like a piece of paper tell you that you should go and be a baker? Or do they want to be more process focused? So it really is kind of about what they want to do. Is this a short term career change or a longer term career change? Um, When I work with clients, and so they might want to keep this in, in mind too, when they're having a preliminary conversation with a career practitioner, is I always say, let's just have a chat and let's see if I'm the best person for what you need. If I'm not the best person for what you need, I will actually direct you to who you need. So for example, some people just want somebody to fix up their resume. And that that's what they really want somebody who will work with them and, um, and get them a great resume. I can get you a decent resume. Resume writing is not my sole expertise. That's not the part that I focus on. That's more job search and job skill. And sometimes that's all people are looking for. A lot of people don't want to put in the time and the effort to actually do career planning and career decision making. It's a lot of work. People think they're going to blow through this process in, you know, one or two months. And it's like, they're, they're very surprised to find that they're, you know, they're making a decision five, six months down the road. Yeah. Now, at that point in time, they have a really good idea, not just what they want to do, but also what they don't want to do. I love that. Well, that introspection work, the planning, the preparation, it doesn't happen quickly, especially if it's not a muscle or an activity that they uh, we've done regularly in the past. So, yeah. Anne, on that note, I appreciate all of the insights today. If people are curious to learn more about the services you and your team provide, how can they get a hold of you? Uh, they can check me out on my LinkedIn page. So, Anne Nikaska, they can just link up with me there. I also have a Facebook page. They can connect with me there. And then they can also connect with me on my company website, which is Constructive Career and Life Designs. And I'll make sure so any of those three is there. I'll make sure all of that information is available in the show notes around here. And I really appreciate your insights today. Thank you for sharing. And I look forward to our paths continuing to cross as we debate and muse on the fourth industrial revolution. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining Morag today. 
If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe so you don't miss a thing. If you learned something worth sharing, share it. Cultivate your relationships today when you don't need anything before you need something. Be sure to follow Sky Team and Morag on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you have any ideas about topics we should tackle, interviews we should do, or if you yourself would like to be on the show, drop us a line at info at skyteam.com. That's S-K-Y-E team.com. Thanks again for joining us today. And remember, business is personal and relationships matter. We are your allies.